from Adelaide, South Australia, the greatest city in the world. It's another Bloody Carlton podcast with Lee Forrest. We are the Navy Blues. We are the old dark Navy Blues. We're the team that never lets you down. We're the only team old Carlton knows. We hold the champions. They like to send up. We'll keep our end up. And they will know that Well, hi everyone, welcome along to episode one of the podcast and I know you have many questions. Who is this guy? Why this podcast? And what can we expect? So let me run you through it. Who am I? So I'm a Carlton-loving radio announcer here in Adelaide. I'm a generational blues supporter. My father, my mother, my brother all support the blues. I support a Carlton like my dad because that's the rules. My wife and my kids, they support the blues. So we do have good Carlton bloodlines. My first game was against Fitzroy as a kid at Princess Park. I've been to every Carlton game here in Adelaide. I was there in 93 for the grand final loss to the Bombers. They put us in the Essendon cheer squad, which wasn't great. I was there in 95. I saw a single tear roll down the cheek of Gary Ablett as Soss kept in goalless in the grand final. I didn't care about 99 loss because, as we all know, the prelim final that year meant so much more. And I remember the third quarter of the 82 grand final really well, just burnt into my memory. So I've been lucky. I've seen a lot of Carlton success. Unfortunately, my kids, who are 12 and 10, have seen nothing but shit. So why the podcast? Well, quite simply, because I love talking about the blues. I love to talk about the blues all the time. I wanted to extend the conversation, though, from myself and my 12-year-old son, Bailey, in the lounge room every weekend to the people around the country, to the people around the globe. There are so many amazing Carlton people that we don't hear enough from. And so hopefully this very podcast can be the vehicle for that. And lastly, what can you expect? Again, The name, another bloody Carlton podcast, there are a lot of them. The plan that I have is simple. We'll look at the Carlton games each and every week. We'll speak to the greats of the Carlton Footy Club, players, coaches, administrators. And because everybody loves a celebrity, I'll catch up too with celebrity fans. All that and the very latest Carlton news of which there is always a lot to talk about. So I want to say thanks for listening to the podcast so far. Please share this with your family and your friends. They don't have to be Carlton lovers to enjoy it. Share and interact on the social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So let's go. This is episode one of another bloody Carlton podcast. Huge stoppage here. Out the back, Murphy kept it moving forward. Gibbons hacks it. Off hands, Kasbolt, and he's wrestling, he's trying to take them all on. Fisher, clever, Murphy, the veteran, the sidestep, the banana, Mark Murphy, to try and win it for the Blues at the death. They swap the veteran. So as we know, Mark Murphy reaches the illustrious 300 club, joining legends of not just the Carlton Footy Club, but the AFL as well, and Craig Bradley, Bruce Dool, Kate Simpson, John Nichols, and Sos Stephen Silvani. Who better to pay tribute to Murph ahead of Game 300 than a man who was alongside him for 209 of those 300 games? Fellow number one pick, locker mate, former Carlton superstar Bryce Gibbs. Gibbsy, welcome. No, thanks for having me. Hey, it's nice to reflect on Murph's career, isn't it? Albeit that he is sad that he's hanging them up. Yeah, it is. Um, 
you know, he's been such a, a champion for so long. And every time you see the Navy Blues play on the weekend, you just you expect to see him running around. So it's going to be a bit of a bit of a sad time next year when he's running around when well, the Carlton running around and he's not out there. But um, yeah, what an unbelievable career he's had. And, the legacy he's going to leave at the Carlton Footy Club is huge. So, um, yeah, what what a what a way to go out, Bryce. A bit of an end of an era. You, Cruiser, Simo, and now Murph. That for all of us who've grown up in the last 10, 15 years watching and loving the Blues, to not see any of you out there. Yeah, we we reflected on this during the week. Actually, um, I've been doing a bit of media stuff for Murph, uh, along with a lot of the other guys who played with him for, for a long time. And, yeah, we did say that. It's sort of there's not many of us left running around now. So um, although that's not the case, um, you know, we've sort of created a bit of a pact. It's be a bit harder for me living in Adelaide, but I'm going to try and get over there as much as I can, and we're going to try and get to as many Carlton games as we can going forward. And, and use that as a bit of a time to catch up and reflect on how we used to go um, at the club and, and then obviously continue to support the club and, and the current players. So, um, yeah, it is a bit of an end of an era. and All good things must come to an end. But, uh, yeah, we had our time and now we pass on the reins to, uh, to the future players that will play for Carlton going forward. What are a player he's been, and you saw this firsthand, but from a country point of view and from a league point of view, can a bloke who's been All-Australian, AFLPA, best first-year player, Coaches Association, Player of the Year, two-time best and fairest, 300 games, 200 goals, can he be underrated in the eyes of some people in the league? Oh, absolutely. Um, And when you're dealing with someone that's got that sort of CV day-to-day, in the, in the four walls of a footy club, you certainly appreciate it a lot more, I think. Um, but I think it probably gets underrated at times from people because he sets such high expectations for himself over his career. So, you know, those games and weeks when he might have been down on form, you know, he's probably copped some un, unfair criticism, but that's probably because he's he's set such a high bar for himself for people just to expect a lot of him. So, um, you, you know... In the, the guys who played with him and, and coached him and spent a lot of time with him certainly didn't, you know, underrate what he was doing for the club in in what was a tough time, you know, especially over the last uh, you know, 10, 15 years. Um, not, not a lot of finals or a lot of success, but he, he certainly carried the team, carried the club at times uh, on, on his shoulders and uh, did a mountain of work to continue um, the club moving forward. So he, he probably doesn't get enough credit in that regard, I don't think, over, over his career. Bryce, you know what you do see in retirement too, the highlight reels and just how crazy his highlight reel was. He kicked some of the most unbelievable goals that we forget about. He, he did. He, he was such a, a skillful player, ball in hand. You, you were confident that every time he got it, he'd make all of his touches count. Um, and that's why... Opposition teams, opponents feared him so much because if you give him time and space, he's, he's going to execute every time. And uh, we've seen some of the highlights during the week of him, him kicking bananas from the boundary and um, in big moments uh, on game day. And, and that's what we love, love to see and, and love to get around him for. But, um, you know, that's all, all well and good. But I've sort of reflected on his on his game as a um, this week as well. His inside grunt work, tackling, mm. contest the ball, which which gets lost a little bit. And through sort of the middle part of his career, when he was really up and about, and you know, in all Australian form, he, he was doing the stuff on the outside and and the really pretty finesse things. But he was actually rolling his sleeves up and, and doing all the hard grunt work at times as well. So um, he's certainly over his career shown he can play multiple roles and, and do multiple things for the team. So it's a credit to him. 
You mentioned the bananas. We all remember the one in Fremantle, but the one against the Bombers on the boundary in the wet where you embrace him straight after that. Gibbs, pick up was clean. Murphy measures things up. Banana ball. He couldn't have. He has. That is brilliant. What does that bring back memories for you? Oh, it brings back a lot of memories. Um, you know, those games we play in with each other, MCG against an arch rival like Essendon, um, memory I think we, we didn't get off to the best start that year and that might have been our first win for the season at about round four or five so um, you know when he kicks a goal like that and the momentum's up in the team and we've been working hard to get a win and you know you, it's, you're celebrating your best mate after doing something absolutely unbelievable from the boundary line in, in that banana mm. um, you know those sort of the memories we, we can reflect on now and we'll cherish for the rest of our lives. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been great to embrace those moments with someone like Murph. What was he like to play with? He seems like he's the kind of player that's more action than words. He didn't seem, from a fan's point of view, to be that vocal on field. Yeah, certainly game day, he, he led by his actions and um, in that sort of way. Sort of, certainly during the week, uh, trainings, meetings, that sort of thing, he was certainly very vocal and... Uh, and will drive a lot of the, the culture stuff within the club, uh, which obviously, obviously the outside probably didn't see as much. But on game day, um, although he wasn't a more out there vocal leader, he, he certainly set set the precedent through his actions and, and how we, he wanted the team to play and, and follow in, in that regard. So, um, yeah, I, I reckon that's probably where it's at. On and off field, great mates as we know. Do you share because of the number one mantle? Is that a bond that you and him had that I guess that Cruiser then joined into as well? Uh, I mean, it's something that we're going to have in common, obviously, for the rest of our lives. And it was unique that a club had three number one picks within three consecutive years. So um, it was a little bit different. But probably early on in our career, you know, we, we, we probably got compared to each other a lot, being a number one pick. And, you know, we're all different players and went about our games differently and, and that sort of thing. But uh, we certainly didn't see it like that. Um, once we got into the club, we sort of lent on each other through those couple of early years when it was all a new experience for us. And, you know, Murph passed on his experiences to me when I got there and then myself and Mark could do that to Matty when, when he turned up. So, But once, you know, this first year or two goes, um, there's obviously external talk that, that keeps happening about number one picks and this and that, but... We just become good mates, and and that didn't really bother us. We were we were just three three blokes that loved playing footy, loved each other's company, and and just wanted to get the best out of ourselves. So that's that's the way we saw it. I wonder if you get a strong bond when you have success with a teammate. But on the flip side, I wonder if a lack of success can sometimes build a strong relationship too. And sadly, as we know, the Blues haven't had a lot of success of recent times. Does that bond you together as teammates? Oh, there's no doubt. Like, you know, we all talk about the fairy tale winning a premiership and, you know, having a premiership reunion for the rest of our lives and, you know, how good that would be. And, you know, there are some guys that get to get to do that and, you know, multiple times, premierships and reunions and that sort of thing. And, um, and other guys don't get to, to taste that um, throughout their whole careers. We've seen a lot of champions that haven't quite haven't quite got there. But, um, oh, there's no doubt you don't spend... 15 years, or in my case with Murphy, 11 years at, at a club and go through the trenches and go through the hard times. And Of course, there's, there's still some great memories and wins and um, final series that we played in. And But I think just the opportunity to spend time with, with guys who you actually do get along with and you do care about and they become a part of your, your family, um, that does hold you... 
that, that does create amazing relationships. Uh, and although we didn't quite taste um, the ultimate success, as I said, winning a flag and that sort of thing, um, you do those friendships just become just as strong when when you are struggling as a team and and you help each other get through that and come out the other side. You, you're certainly better for it. So um, yeah, I, I do agree with that. Bryce, appreciate your time. Thanks for the words on Murph. Before we let you go, it's so great to see you in the South Adelaide jumper here in the Sample because for a Carlton supporter, it does. It kind of brings back memories. Oh, absolutely. It's uh, the, the navy blue wasn't too foreign to me. So um, <laughs> putting on that kit for for the first time, uh, I certainly felt at home straight away. And that was probably off the back of the Blues connection, the navy blues. So um, yeah, I'm really enjoying my my time at South Adelaide this year and. Coming into finals now, we've got a little bit of work to do, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it and, and anything can happen. So I'll be able to taste that uh, premiership success hopefully in the next couple of years. You never uh, know. Do you still feel the love from the Carlton fans? Because we always have referred to you as a Carlton man. You tweeted out baggers. I, I wondered if you ever got in trouble with the Crows for that. But as fans, we've always sensed that even though you left, albeit for a short time, you're still one of us. Yeah, and, and that's something that was important to me when, when I did love with Carlton and... Um, you know, I, I did leave for the right reasons, and I think everyone acknowledged that. And that's why, yeah, I, I've been shown so much love and support still from the Carlton faithful. And and when I was playing in Adelaide, they showed me that respect and, yep. and love. And now that I've retired, um, I can actually go and sit in the crowd with them and, and enjoy the company even more now. So, um, yeah, they've been unbelievable to me and, and showed me so much support over the years and um, yeah I'll be forever grateful for them as well This is an unusual question, I'm going to try and do this with all the players that I speak to, give me your heart Gibbsy in a, in a pie graph how much is Carlton, how much is Adelaide are we 95 <laughs> and 5 are we 99 and 1 Yeah look I've, I've actually been asked this question a few times and I've sort of sat on the fence a little bit but look I think you know, 11 years, 200 plus games, life member of a footy club and I did come back to Adelaide and was very grateful for the opportunity they gave me to, to finish my career back here in Adelaide. Um, but when you know you sum it up um, over the whole journey, like I'm certainly more of a cult man. That um, take nothing away from Adelaide, but uh, yeah, you know I can't. You know, as I just said, all those all those stats from from club to club. Yeah, um, yeah I'm certainly certainly a cult man. I'm going to go 95-5. Thank you, Bryce. <laughs> uh, race straight from Norlunga. Get and see as much as Murph's 300 as you can this weekend. Hopefully, do it with a win. A lot of the players are coming out paying tribute to Mark, and really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing it today. No, no worries. Appreciate you having me on. The great Bryce Gibbs. Blue News. So let's get a critical view on where the Blues are sitting there. 8 and 12, it's round 21. Respected broadcaster for 3AW and for the Sunday Age. Mad Carlton supporter as well. Tim Lane joins me. Tim, appreciate your time. No worries, Luke. Are you fearful for David Teague going into next year? Uh, well, yeah, I think he would be feeling, you know, pretty uh, nervous about it. Carlton have been known to be ruthless. But then again, I suppose it's possible it could work the other way, whereby they actually try to resist the innate um, instincts that have caused them to wield the knife pretty freely in the past. But, uh, you know, with with some big names being pretty available at the moment, you'd think there would be a strong temptation to act. There have been a lot of elements of this year that have been pretty disappointing. As a Carlton fan and as a broadcaster, if he does make way, are they the same person you would like in the job? Do you think Ross Lyon suits the Blues? Do you think Alastair Clarkson suits the Blues? Or is this disrespectful until a decision's made on David Teague? 
Well, they do really have to analyse, you know, and I think this means hearing from the people close to it, whether Teague has a future there. And if the answer to that is no, well, then, you know, you have a, a good hard look at it. I'd be open to just about any of the, the big four, we'd probably call them that. Uh, Anaya Clarkson, Lyon, Brad Scott and Pike. Lyon is the name that is popping up at the moment. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure whether, you know, I'd be amazed if they hadn't uh, put a, an oar in the water in relation to Clarkson. You'd be mad if you didn't. Mm. You know, I think some of the talk coming out of Hawthorne was that he's been more difficult as the years have gone by. And uh, a lot of great coaches have gone a bit loopy, you know, when they've had a lot of success and, and, and then years have passed and success has become a bit more elusive. But maybe a fresh start would be just what he needs. Uh, Lyon's been out of it a bit, you know, and he's got a he's got a reboot, and I don't know whether that necessarily just happens. And the other two, I think, you know, both have terrific cadet credentials, and uh, either could be good. But um, just which way it falls, you know, I think uh, only time will tell. Do you think the review will be ruthless? Do you think we'll see great players leave, great people behind the scenes leave? Uh, you'd hope that greats in either aspect, you know, in either arena would um, would not leave because you, you you want good people and you want proven and um, and talented people there. So I don't. I hope they don't throw the baby out with the the bathwater, and I think that is a danger at a at a time like this. And there are good people at the club. I mean, it's not a place filled with with duds, so they've got to be very selective. And final one, appreciate your time, Tim, for the podcast. Are we far away, Carlton? Can you see them bouncing back off a disappointing year this year to contend next year? Or do you think we're a little bit away? Yeah, well, the jury, I think, is still out on that. I mean, this is... You look at Richmond in the years leading up to 2017, and uh, a lot of people, myself included, didn't really take them seriously until grand final day. Mm. Uh, you know, improvement creeps up. When Brendan Gale spelled out the five-year plan, you know, people thought he'd taken leave of his senses, and I was one of those. So things can change, and improvement comes gradually. And I think that is one supporting factor in any consideration of David Teague. I, I can't just pluck the numbers off the top of my head, but Carlton's win-loss record in the period that he's been at the helm has been significantly better than it was for the equivalent number of games before he took over. Nevertheless, they've done some recruiting and they talked a good game. And it's probably the biggest failing of Carlton this year that they set the bar high. Um, They talked it up. And that, I think, revealed a real flaw in the, uh, the armour of the administration of the club, the people at the helm of the club, because... You know, in politics, it's what just what you don't do. And uh, I think they made a huge mistake there. And Carlton, I think, has been marked for a long time now by um, failed administrators. And that's not to say they're all bad, but, you know, they've got a lot of things wrong over a long period of time. And uh, now is the time to be very astute and to start getting it very right. Be a fascinating watch and see. Thank you so much for your time, Tim. Really appreciate it. No worries, Lee. Thank you. Respected broadcaster Tim Lane, the voice for so many of us of football and cricket on 3RW and in the Sunday Age. Straight to Wallace, the mean bad man. Can he cover himself in glory? He's lost it and Murphy takes it away. That could be the turnover that cost them. Murphy goes to...
So that is it. I hope you've enjoyed episode one of the podcast. Please follow on all the socials, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week for episode two.